How do you raise money for your movie? That is the question I get asked more than any other question. And unfortunately, there's no easy answers and there's no one way to make it happen. There is a whole lot of luck. There's you going out to make opportunities for yourself. And then there's just you being ready to rock. We've talked with our guest today, Alexander Boylan, a filmmaker who's done eight feature films. She has raised the money for all of them and she's distributed all of them and made profit. So how did she do it? Let's find out. This is the Working Director Podcast, show that helps you go from emerging filmmaker to working director. As a filmmaker living in Los Angeles, I've directed over 130 projects, including six distributed feature films, all while helping filmmakers figure out how to level up in their careers. I do this show with one goal in mind, to help you become a working director. And if you want to join us for the live Q&A sessions and ask all of your questions, make sure you join our free private Facebook group by going to theworkingdirector.pro. Tell everybody how many features you have produced. I've produced eight feature films, um, wrote six of them. My two thrillers were written by my brother, but I produced all of them, took them all from conception to completion, and went on to sell them to distribution companies. Nice. And of the eight, how many have been profitable? All of them, except for the ones that just came out. Like, all of them have made their money back. All of them have been profitable. Uh, and then, of course, we had a movie come out in March with Mina Suvari and Jaleel White called The Greatest Inheritance, and that's recouping, but it takes a little while to recoup the money. So that one is like our only fact one. that you can say all have been profitable is pretty much unheard of. Yeah. So that is awesome. Let's talk about your first one, and then we'll move into like the things you've learned and where you, what yeah. you do now. So when you first did your very first feature film, how did you get that funded? How did you make that happen? Yeah, so our first feature is called Home Sweet Home. It's a thriller. And actually, we made it because we realized, I was like, no one's going to give us money unless we can prove we can make a movie. So we wrote a feature around this one location that we had for free that we knew we could have. And we, I self-funded it. So I ha got a group of friends, actors, filmmakers who kind of volunteered. Um, and we all went out to the New Mexico desert and we shot this little, little tiny indie feature that really we just thought we would show our parents. And then I did know that horror and thriller movies sell with no star names. And I know you can do it. And this was back in 2011. So I literally just self-funded. In fact, how much I self-funded Home Sweet Home was when we got back to LA after shooting, I was waitressing and I found a sound designer and I would go to his house once a week and hand him a hundred dollars for my waitress apron Aww. until he finished it. And he was so sweet. I was like, I have to like pay you as I go, but I will pay you. And so that's how much I self paid for everything. I'd literally be working and then handing the money to the post people. <laughs> that's amazing. How were you able to sell that? Who did you sell it to? Yeah. So, um, we ended up getting a sales agent. His name was Ryan Keller from Instrument International. He was just starting his company. I had worked with Dog and Pony Creative, who is a, a poster company. They created me this incredible poster and I was trying to find a sales agent and they actually connected me to Ryan. He watched the film. He was like, I think we can do something with this movie. This is good. And he took it to American film market and actually sold to image entertainment, RLJ releasing before the market was over. They loved the title, they loved the poster, and they bought it. They bought it for double what the budget was, which was amazing. And then that's kind of what led into my next steps. Do you have recommendations on how to make sure you're going to the right distributor to make sure you're getting money? Well, that is really hard. I mean, 
us seeing the money is different than our investors being recouped. So I don't always see the money from our movies. I did on some of them, but at the end of the day, for me, I definitely wanted my investors to get the money back because you want them to get paid back or they won't come back for the next movie or the next first question is, I just had a really big meeting the other day with a potential client to work with and they were like, did your movie make the investors money back? They don't care if I made money. And I'm like, yes. I've worked with RLJ releasing on a couple movies. I've worked with Pure Flix on a movie. I worked with Vertical Entertainment on two movies. Um, Vertical's been really good. Um, and then Pure Flix took a little bit of time to recoup. But it is hard. It is um it's hard for us as indie filmmakers to see the money. But like I said, my goal is always, I want to make sure that the distribution company is making their money back. I mean, the, the investors, investors their money that, back. So that I feel the same way. Like, I would love to just make sure my investors get their money back. Do you pick specific films that you're like, we, I know this genre is going to make money back? Well, definitely with the thriller. And then my sales agent was the one who said, you should make fam faith-based family movies. The market, they buy them higher. They sell like crazy. It's like a horror movie. It's a tapped-in audience. And then we really went even more niche. We went to female-driven faith-based because nobody was doing it. In 2011, there really wasn't a faith-based film that starred a woman. We really put ourselves into a smaller category to break out in that category of, oh, these are the girls making the girl movies. And then we knew that women buy faith-based films for their families. Guys don't. They're like, what? I, they're going to watch that. But the mom rings at home. So that Catching Faith, which is the next follow-up to Home Sweet Home, my sales agent said, if you make the movie, I'll get the money. He got us $75,000 for Catching Faith. And you guys, that movie went on to become the top five consistent selling movie for RLJ releasing. They requested a sequel, actually, on a wow. DVD VOD movie. And guess what? Because once women knew it was for them, they were telling everybody and they were like, this movie's for us. It's a movie about women. And um, and then we went to Cuba on a movie tour. It sold all over the world. And we still get messages to this day of like Catching Faith really resonated with its audience. That's all I can say is making stuff that resonates with your audience and then have an audience. It's all about word of mouth. When we first came out, that movie like made no money. And Ryan Keller, my sales agent, was like, let's not tell anybody about how much we've made yet and let's move on and try to get money for the next one. And then all of a sudden, our numbers went through the roof and it was like, it was got to be word of mouth because even RLJ releasing was like, we didn't do any marketing for this movie. <laughs> and I was like, it had wow. audience excited for it and spreading the word. The, but the movie you have, the poster behind you actually, I believe, uh, uh, does, <laughs> I love the poster, it's great. Uh, Dog and that one did really well with Pure Flex. Am I, am I correct now, known as Pinnacle Peak? Yeah, well, I think, well, yeah, that's all confusing their name. But um, yeah, Pure Flex, this, this hit number one on their platform. They actually used it because, you know, it was very Disney and it was like they were using it to draw in the Disney audience to Pure Flex and they didn't have anything that was like teen girl, teen stuff that speaks to young people. But also mothers love it. We always make sure that the moms are going to like it because the moms are the ones buying the movie. They're the one with the money. Um, and so, but actually Switched did really good on video on demand. We actually just released on Tubi. So I'm really excited to see how we do on Tubi. But Switched has done really good in the market. Even on, we were in uh, Vertical Entertainment, got us like front shelf space in Walmart. So that was awesome. We sold out of Walmart. Um, and so this movie actually did really, really well. You fundraised for that one. Yeah, so let me just go back to so the people do know how I did it. 
So Ryan raised the 75000 for Catching Faith. Then right away, we got a hedge fund company out of Boston that thought it was really cool to make a movie. And they funded our Christmas movie, Wish for Christmas. That budget was about 350000 And so we ran off to Boston. We shot that in my hometown. I'm really good at like making a dollar stretch. We shot all in my hometown, my graduate high school, my dad's church. And uh, we shot Wish for Christmas. And then we we ended up selling to Pure Flix and that movie did really good too. But my sales agent got really busy and he was like, I can't, I can't raise money for you anymore. I'm, I'll still be your EP. I'll help you, but you're going to, that I can't. I was like, oh my gosh. So now I have to write it, produce it and figure out how to get funding. So I started into how the heck do you get funding for a movie? And I just started knocking on every door, calling people, getting interviewed. I took meetings. So after Wish for Christmas, we had the greatest inheritance script and the switch script. And we pitched that there everywhere and everybody passed on it. And I was really surprised with Switch because it was such like a no-brainer as Mean Girls meet 3D Friday for Christians. It was so adorable. Um, and then I literally just started calling people and being like, I need money. This is what we need. Who believes in this? And finding people with like-minded hearts. And I had opened my home to women in entertainment and a woman came and she was like, I've been watching your films and I think they're great. Let's team up. I'll fund your movies. Wow. That was incredible. Originally, she was going to fund Switched, but then we wanted a higher budget. So at the time, RLJ releasing said, we want you to make a sequel for Catching Faith, but we won't give you the money to make it. But if you make it, we'll buy it. And I'm like, why don't you just fund it? You got, I, they're crazy. So she ended up saying, hey, if there's already a distribution deal for Catching Fade 2, we had written the script because I'm a go-getter. And if someone gives me opportunity, I'm going to do it. Even if we never have any funding, we wrote that script. And then she funded Catching Fade 2. We released that. We came in under a budget. We proved we could do a beautiful job with a little. And she was like, okay. And then they funded Switched. So, and then we got some other little, little funding uh, sources from other places, but she was the majority one. And then... For my next film, The Greatest Inheritance, I teamed up with uh, Meredith Riley Stewart and I met her through Women in Film. And her and I went to Columbus, Georgia and ha flew back and forth for some meetings. We started going around her hometown and having meetings with people about funding. And we ended up being able to raise the full amount for Greatest Inheritance. A lot of it was Meredith. and um, But I went with her to Columbus for the meetings because I had uh, so much experience of I'm a really good pitcher and I will get them to say yes. And I will tell them why all the reasons these movies have to be made. Free budget we have has usually been dictated by somebody else. Like a Catching Fade 2, we made exactly for the amount that RLJ releasing was going to buy it for. So all our investors broke even on the sale. So we make our movies fit into whatever budget we can raise. And then we just make beautiful movies by finding other ways to not use the money, you know, put the money in front of the camera. I want to really dig in now and for the people who are watching in our last 15 minutes and they're like, I want to raise money. I don't really know rich people. I don't even know how to ask. Let's, I know. So I will say the disclaimer, there's no one way to do this. We get that. Like you could work. It could, one thing could work today. It's not going to work tomorrow. That's why funding is so hard. There's no playbook. There's no rules. Yeah. That said, um, if we were going to make a playbook based on your successes, the ones that worked, mm -hmm. what is step one? Make it a pitch deck? 
Oh, yeah. Pitch deck is very important. Yeah, you need a pitch deck. You need a great script. You need a great log line. You need a good hook. Like every time I go into pitch or speak to whether it's because investors aren't going to read a script. You know, you're going to pitch them and you've got to give them that great hook. And then for us, you know, we're really going after people who believe in the messages we're creating and see a need in the marketplace for clean teen girl movies or family friendly faith films. So that's helped me to be able to hone in on who, you know, I mean, we got to work with the Affleck family from Affleck Insurance because they believed in the movie we were making. You know, that is huge for us. And and people always ask me, you can go back and make a horror movie. And I'm like, I wouldn't know how to raise money for a horror movie because I've been tapping into places with people who believe in the mission. When you give us an example of a great hook, maybe you switched for an example. Switch is a great hook. Switch is about two girls in high school. One's the bully and one's the girl she bullies. And the girl she bullies prays that the other girl would know what it's like to walk a day in her shoes. And they wake up switched and they go on to find love and empathy and compassion for each other. And it's adorable. Love it. <laughs> And okay, so now we have our pitch deck, we have our great hook, we have our great script. How are we finding people? I mean, what is, is there some kind of guides that you can help go get people thinking about who they should be looking to? People who are aligned is great. I like that idea of like, okay, you know, like you were saying, I have a faith-based film. I'm going to look for people who believe in that. Yeah. Um, but how do you find those people? Where are you? Oh my gosh. I'm just such a hustler and I've been out here a long time. How do I find them? Well, literally opening my home to women was an amazing thing. And and I'm also one of those people who's always trying to give back. If somebody asks, I'm always like, what can I do for you? And I'm always out there um, helping other people. So therefore, then I can say that, like, I just had a, a, a meeting with somebody where I'm giving them a lot. And then I, they said, what do you need? And I said, I need money for my next movie. And she said, okay, let's hop on a call. And let's talk about it. So I think the biggest thing is to have a generous heart because being generous to others and giving out your time, then people come back and go, okay, I'll help you. You, you know, cause I think there's so much in this industry where everybody's just like trying to get for themselves. And it's like, that's, that's people get worn out with that. I think the other thing is obviously taking meetings with studios after, um, after the success of switch, which everybody kind of didn't, there was no teen girl faith-based film like this so we had to almost make it to prove that there's an audience and a model and then I pitched it out and I got with third coast content and they came on to that my next teen girl movie and they raised all the money I brought in one investor I've worked with for years and then they went and got the rest of the money so now it's like I'm starting to finally team up with other people who have access to more money than I do because that's the goal is that you find a production company or a studio that would fund it because <laughs> people always pitch me stuff and I'm like oh my company doesn't just have a bunch of money sitting right stuff I have to go out and get the funding you said you were flying um out to take meetings who are these people you were taking meetings with so Meredith Riley Stewart my amazing uh producing partner on the Grace Hairton she had connections from her hometown in Columbus Georgia and so she lined up all these meetings with people um people who were um believers and had knew she knew that they had the kind of money to invest in a film the other thing that we've been able to do on that movie and the next one is take um non uh take tax write-off money where it's not actually an investment it's a tax write-off so some of the investment we got for the gray's inheritance was actually tax write-off for the the people and they weren't even investors in the movie so that's another amazing thing because if somebody does have a lot of money and they're like, well, I don't really care about the back end. I just want the tax write-off. 
we were able to do that through the um, film office in Columbus, Georgia. They worked with us to be able to do that. So we got a really big chunk of our budget from somebody who took a tax write-off. I think that the biggest question people get, they get stuck with when they're trying to find money is having just no idea where to start. Yeah. Um, so I, I know we've kind of, like you've had a, there's been a lot of like, you created opportunity and a lot of luck kind of mixed together. Uh, if we were going to say to them, like, you know, go to your dentist or go to, you know, go to people in your life who might have money. Is there advice you have on them starting that conversation? Have you ever had, have you ever had those conversations with people like that? Oh yeah. Cause I ask everybody, you guys, I literally tell everybody what I need. People don't know what you need unless you tell them. So um, I definitely tell people what I need and I, I had to start the conversation. I think what was great for us was that I did make my first feature on my own dime and I was able to prove that I could take a movie from conception to completion. You know, in the beginning, it's really hard. People are like, why would I give you money? You might not even be able to finish the film. So, um, and then the more I made the movies and we had these beautiful success stories of going to Cuba and going on a movie tour. I could use that to say, this is how important my films are. I got a message from a woman in South Africa who said it was the first time she saw herself as a woman represented in a movie that, and like those kind of stories is how I kind of start that conversation of we're doing something that isn't even just reaching America. It's going all over the world. And whether you're a believer or not, we're telling women's stories that are resonating with women. And we have such incredible stories of women's lives being changed from our movies. So, and girls, girls coming to us saying, I, you know what, this really made me want to lead with love and not bully and, and look at the perspective from the bully. So that's where you can, once you can have a conversation, it can't be like, can I have your money? It's got to be, what's your passion? What are you doing? And how is that impacting the world? And how is it changing people's lives? Tony says, I have a faith-based film. What is the process for going to distributor? I have never not worked with a sales agent. I, I have now, I worked with a man named John Kim. Uh, for my film At Your Own Risk, he acts more as an aggregator. So he put my film on Tubi, Amazon Freebie, and Roku Channel, and we're actually seeing money coming through, and he just takes a small percentage. He doesn't go to, like, RLJ releasing and sell your movie outright. So that was an interesting, um, I think, but he is still a sales agent. You need an aggregator. You could use Indie Rights. That's one that works with indie filmmakers to get yourself on a platform and it just gets you up there and then the revenue stream comes back to you. But the thing is you have to do all the marketing then because you can't just put your movie up and think, oh, everyone's just going to find my film. Then you got to go into talking about marketing and making sure everybody knows that your movie exists. I'm a big, big advocate for people doing that, like releasing on their own because yeah, once you go with the distributor, they're not, for the most part, they're not going to put money into marketing. They're not going to do any marketing for you anyway, but they're going to take all the money first before you get any money. So if you can do it yourself, you're going to do the marketing yeah. yourself anyway. So you might as well take all the money. I wish I did that on my last feature, which is uh, sometimes it's easier to go to distributor because you're like, I'm done. I've been working on this for three years. I just want to give it to somebody else. Yeah, uh, but it, you know, I do all the marketing for my own movies. So I'm half the time just dumping money into the distribution company's pocket. Because I do so much work. I mean, I get tapped into every mother bra blog, anyone who's going to interview us. I do all that work. It's a lot of work. But I love what I, my movies. I have to get, everyone has to know about my movies. So anyway, um, but yeah, I guess to start is, you know, go to Pure Flix, go find a sales agent, see if it's faith-based. 
find out all the companies that release or represent faith-based films. I mean, Pure Flix, Sony Affirm, um, Great Great American Family Channel now, and Up TV. There's a lot of ones that are distributing faith-based. So it's just finding who will take that movie. And it is specific. A lot of like Netflix isn't really taking faith-based. So you've got to know who to go to. Yeah, and y'all don't, everybody's dream is to be on Netflix. Netflix is not giving you any money. Go to someone who's going to give you money for it. Nope. They don't. It's a good exposure, but they don't give you a lot of money. It's a good exposure if you're on that front page. If not... Well, right. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Parker. So Parker's asking about um, ROIs, points, percentages. Is this all under the same umbrella where you use all of these at once? Is a preferred method with pitching to funders? Um, it's kind of That's all sort of the same thing. When we talk about return on investment or points that they get or percentages they get, that's the same thing. I guess the question is, do you talk about that when pitching to funders? Yes, of course. But here's the other thing. I I do, I really strongly believe that if I am more of a filmmaker, I've done a lot of this because I have to do this because we have to, have, but I do have, Ryan Keller did act as my executive producer. So what I would do is I go out there and I get people excited and I'm like, this is why you should invest. And then I, you know, and then when it starts getting into the really tricky conversation of ROIs, um, every movie has a different percentage of how much the uh, investor owns based on how much they invested in. Once it gets into that, I'm like, meet Ryan Keller or now meet Ben Howard. Like I have some amazing executive producers who I'm working with who they come in and take over the tough conversation who can talk about business because I that's not my strong so- suit and I admit that. But I'll do it if I had <laughs> I love. I actually want to really hit that point home is that if you filmmakers... We're, most of us are just, we want to be creative. We don't want to do all the non-fun parts, even though we have to. Yeah. But I do think that that's a really smart thing that Alexandra has just shared with us, is that if you can find somebody that, one, you gel with, you have good energy with, uh, you trust, two, very important, trust, but that they believe in you and you believe in each other and you can become partners, you're the person who helps, you know, guide the ship and make it happen and they're the person who does the business that's such an amazing partnership how you do it you know that it just varies alexander said she opened her house to women in entertainment you know you could have mixers you could go to pga a producers guild uh mixers you could just start meeting people until you find it i go to every event and there was like 10 years there where i went to every women in film event every sags every event i could get invited to i was there and i was hustling and i was meeting people so yeah i mean you can't sit in your house and think someone's gonna find you you got to get out there and meet people it's all about who you know and it's also about building relationships you know my investor now originally she was an extra in my first movie and then she opened her home for us to film in and then so it was like almost like she was we were building trust with her like she was like i see what you guys are doing and now i see and you have people have to trust you too your investors have to trust you they might be watching they might be an extra on your movie and then the next thing you know they're going to invest in your films and why be kind to everybody because you know (laughs) and i'll put you back to the your social media y'all Stop bitching on your social media. Yeah. Like, use it for positive, I'm a badass director, filmmaker, you want to know me posts. That's a great uh, Never be negative on your social media. And actually, I've only positive on there. And because a lot of people are watching me that I would never say anything negative because that could stop me from getting anything. You don't. Yeah. No, no idea. Vibes. John asks, 
uh, are there any pitfalls to avoid when pitching at this indie level? Uh, obviously, there's probably a lot, but let's talk about when you're talking funding specifically. Have there been things you've done or said that you're like, oh, I totally screwed that meeting up? Uh, gosh, I, if I did screw up anything, I walk away so I'm such a positive person that I'm like, eh, whatever, next, because I've gotten rejected so many times. And you just have to let it roll off your back. I mean, I went into so many meetings where people told me, I had a meeting where a guy in a studio said to me, I don't understand this teen girl movie and why do these girls care about their friends in high school? And I was like, like, that's all girls care about in high school. So I've had like meetings where I'm just like, how can I pitch to you when you are not my demographic and you have no idea who I'm talking to? That right there, you're even saying like, part of it is knowing who you're pitching to. Yeah. Like, if, if it's a, if it's a you know, a 50 something year old plus white dude, they're not going to understand your teen girl movie, but what can you find about them, their life? Do you, can you see, can you find out if they have teen girls? Anything you can find out about them. So when you pitch, you can connect to them. I think that's an important lesson. Yeah. And I think always, like you said, positivity, like there was one meeting I had where I got a little negative about some of my experiences with men in the industry. And I realized, and it was a woman I was talking to, but I realized that was not the right thing to say to her. And I learned my lesson. I was like, Hey, I'll be more careful. I always try to keep everything positive and not another thing. Don't talk bad about anybody because everybody works for everybody. And then eventually they're going to work somewhere else. I had someone come to me who wanted me to work with this company. I almost said something bad about the company. And then my brilliant EP was like, never talk bad. And I was like, you're right. That person ended up working for that company. And so like, you just like, I've learned so many lessons of like, I don't just keep it all positive and don't say anything. Don't say, oh, I didn't like working with this person or I don't like that because they're all going to end up working together and everybody knows each other. Based on what you've been talking to us about how you guys have gotten money, they're really buying a lot into your passion, yeah. your excitement for the project. So when going after money, it someone a lot of people will fund a movie Maybe not strangers, but they're like Alexandra even said about her first, the woman who funded the the big movie. Uh, people who just like you and believe in you will give you money. So it's really continuing to be that positive, powerful force that you already are, even when you feel like burning this town to the ground. And be a finisher. You know, I mean, we finish everything we start. I am a finisher. So people can trust me that I'm like, I'll figure it out. I'll give my salary back to the movie to make sure the movie is finished. I will never not make sure it's done. And that's huge for people to trust you with their time, with their money, with their resources, that we are going to finish whatever we start has been like my motto. We're technically out of time, but I want to get to Michelle's question. Uh, how do you get a sales agent in California? IMDb Pro should be your best friend and what and go on to imdb pro maybe look at what movies you like see what sales agent rep different movies i don't think they do but definitely like pure flicks you wouldn't take them a horror movie do your research find out what kind like oscilloscope laboratories is very specific what they buy so same with sales agents go on imdb pro and see some of your favorite indie movies and see who reps those movies and then they all have their contact info, write them, call them. I mean, I call people, I write to people. I wrote to the head of Sony firm and he said, sure, come on to Sony and let's have a meeting. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I just found it on Facebook. So IMDb Pro, film festivals, I, 
I don't even know how. I mean, usually they're like at Sundance or something, but I would say IMDb Pro is the best way to find sales agents and see what movies they've done and then see if you can connect to filmmakers and say, hey, were they legit? Did they do a good job? Were they? Yes. I was going to say that that's the most important thing is like, once you find someone you like, I don't care how much you love them, ask other people who use them if they actually did their job. Before we go, you you wrote kind of a book, right, on all of this. <laughs> well, create your own career in Hollywood. It's on Amazon. It's on print, Kindle, and audio available right now. And it literally goes through my entire trajectory of my career from my first feature film all the way through my career, how I did it. I mean, you guys, I was homeless. I lived out of one suitcase for a year to make Catching Fades. So I have a crazy story. I really do love what I do. And I, I give up my house. I live in my car, like whatever I need to do. Things we do to make movies. And I, I love that because, you know, we have a half hour here. So I encourage everybody to get the book and really dive in and learn more. And then, of course, you have Alexandra's uh, Instagram there. You can always reach out to her and follow her and, you know, learn from her. And thank you all so much for tuning in live. And if you are listening to this in replay and you still have questions, pop them in and we will do our best to answer them in post. All right, guys, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Working Director Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and review as it helps others find the show and helps us keep making great content for it. And if you want even more help with your directing career, check out theworkingdirector.pro, where you can apply to be part of the accelerator that hones in on where you currently are and helps you get to where you want to be. Whether it's this podcast, the accelerator, or our free Facebook community for directors, we're here to help you get to work.